Welcome to Scanner School. This is session number 136 of the podcast. Today we're talking about Whistler's object-oriented scanning. This podcast episode was way, way overdue. So we'll jump into it in just one second. Before we start this week's podcast, I want to take a second to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform, and we have three different support tiers with different benefits for your support. At a dollar a month, this donation lets us know that you are out there and supporting the podcast. At $3 a month, you will receive the podcast before the general public. You will also have access to an advertisement-free podcast with no middle break. This podcast will be delivered to you each week via a private feed that you can add to your podcast player. For those listening via the web, you will receive an email with a link to the podcast as soon as it releases. The $5 level is the best benefit for your support. Not only do you receive the benefits of the $3 tier, but you also get a set of squelchy stickers mailed to your home, access to a monthly Patreon-only Zoom meeting, as well as future discounts and benefits for upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. At $5 a month, this equates to about a dollar a week or a dollar per podcast episode. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon or scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters who are Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Glenn Blum, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, James Felling, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Mark Thompson, Mark Beebe, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Let's get this podcast started. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Scanner School is a podcast that's delivered to you every Tuesday to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so by clicking on the subscribe button on your podcast player. Or if you're listening to us online via the web, go to our website, www.scannerschool.com, and click on our email newsletter. It's right there on the front page. You put your email in there, and we'll let you know every week when a new podcast comes out. We'll also let you know about some other things that are going on if you sign up for the newsletter as well. Again, if you like the podcast, let me know. Leave some feedback. Leave us a review on iTunes. And definitely share the podcast with your friends. That's the fastest way to tell people that we are here. Share us in your favorite Scanner Radio Facebook group, on Twitter, in your favorite email news list, or just send it to a friend or two. Let them know that Scanner School is here. So today we are talking about Whistler's object-oriented scanning, which is a popular radio programming protocol that many Whistler scanners, as well as some Rio Shack and GRE scanners, utilize. Now, again, this was something that GRE brought to the table when they were still in business and when they still were doing all of the manufacturing or most manufacturing for Radio Shack. As we all know, Whistler took over the rights from GRE. They bought them out as far as the assets for scanners, and they are now rebranding and 
they were they were redoing all of the Radio Shack scanners and some of their own. So the model numbers that support object oriented scanning are the GRE PSR three ten four ten five hundred six hundred seven hundred and eight hundred. The Radio Shack Pro 18, 106, 107, 197, 651, 652, and 668, as well as the Whistler 1040, 1065, 1080, 1088, 1095, the TRX-1, and the TRX-2. So let's quickly describe what object-oriented programming is as defined in Wikipedia. Note, this is slightly different than object-oriented scanning, but this gives us an idea of where this method and the naming comes from. I'm going to paraphrase here, but in a nutshell, Wikipedia says, object-oriented programming is a programming paradigm based on the concept of objects which contain data in the forms of fields in the forms of procedures. In object-oriented programming, Programmings are designed by making them out of objects that interact with one another. Remember this definition here. Okay, so what is object-oriented scanning? Well, object-oriented scanning is a flexible way of programming your scanner because you can set up lists as small or as large as you need without wasting empty memory channels. Remember those scanners that were like a 1,000 memory channels and 10 banks? You had 100 basically memory locations and 10 banks. What would happen if you only use five channels in the bank? You wasted 95 memory locations, right? This doesn't happen in the object-oriented scanning world. Lists are as big or as small as basically as, as you need them up into, of course, certain limitations on the size of them, which we'll talk about in just one second. So this is a great, great way of organizing and programming your scanner. I actually really enjoy this style of setting up the scanner, and I find it extremely simple to do. See, object-oriented scanners uh, that don't interface with easy scan, such as a TRX-1 and TRX-2, for example, are limited to basically 20 user programmable scanning lists. All right, scanner lists are basically the same as scanning banks. But you also have a favorites list and a Skywarn list that you can that you can utilize. And these two lists do not take away from the 20 programmable scan lists which again, when you're programming your scanner, is something you need to keep in the back of your mind because who thinks of this extra favorite list and this extra Skywarn list that are sitting in there? We're going to talk about that in just one second. This way, I don't forget when I program up one of these scanners again, and this way you don't forget either. So let's talk about what an object is and how much memory or space each one requires. So the info in this next little section here, it comes from Mark Scanners, and we'll link to it over in the session notes. But again, go to new.marks.com scanners.com will take you to his page. Memory space is broken into blocks. So a Motorola trunk system will take up 10 blocks. EDAX and LTR trunking take up four blocks. Search and sweeper take up two blocks. And conventional and talk groups can take up a block. So your programming memory depends basically how many trunk systems you're putting in, what kind of trunk systems, example, like we just said, Motorola or EDAX, and how many conventional and talk groups you are putting in as well, right? The more Motorola systems you, you put in there, the more blocks you eat up at 10 apiece, okay? Again, 10 blocks for a Motorola system is 10 conventional frequencies. So you see how the programming shrinks what you put in there. And again, it's going to be tough to max out one of these scanners, although 
we've done it a, a, a time of two. So let's get back into into the programming here, which which is what makes me really enjoy the the setup here and the way it works. So what you basically do is you create long lists, and we're going to talk about conventional here for just one second. But you basically set up your conventional frequencies into a single long list. You don't break them down into banks. You don't break them down into small pages. You just start at the top of the list and you just go boom, 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 boom. Program in frequency. You can program in the alpha tag, the PL, the DPL, if it supported the NAC, control uh, the color code, right? The RAN. All that is programmed in as part of the, the frequency, right? Don't forget to you get the LED, the background color. But you also assign this frequency to a scan list or multiple scan lists. Now, scan lists are thought of in this scanner as basically banks for those of us who still keep things in mind when it comes to banks. And again, what makes this one of my favorite ways of programming a scanner is the fact that a frequency could be the defined in multiple scan lists. It is such a great way of using the memory resources inside of a scanner. You can assign a frequency to a single scan list, multiple scan lists, even all of your scan lists if you want, or no scan lists. You can just put it in there. So again, like we said, we have 20 scan lists to find in the scanner, and also we have a favorites list and a scanner list. So let's look at this for an example here as to how this is set up. So I know I'm kind of like going through this pretty quick because it's, it's so simple really is, is how these work. But again, I, I do enjoy using these. So let's, let's break it down as to how we would use this dynamic memory here and, and break things down into lists. So say you set up a bank, a scan bank for amateur radio and you put all the amateur radio repeaters and simplex frequencies that you would want to listen to in your area. Well, out of all of these program frequencies that you have in, or these, again, these objects, we might use one or a small handful for Skywarn. So we can define those frequencies or objects into both lists for amateur radio and those scan lists for Skywarn. We did not program in the frequency twice. We put it in once. We just assigned it to two locations. If it was a unit in scanner, we would have to put the frequency in twice. Okay, this is what makes things so efficient here. So let's let's look at another example. I want to set up a list, a hot list of frequencies. I like to have a hot list in my scanners. These are basically tiny scan lists or, or banks that I keep my scanners as quiet as possible so I don't piss my wife off when I leave them on. All right. It allows me to keep an ear in a scanner without it going off every 30 seconds and without my wife getting up and turning it off on me. Because again, just like me, right? <laughs> the, the less noise that comes out of me, the better. All right. So. A hot list or a favorites list would basically be like my local fire department, department that respond to any calls in my neighborhood. Maybe I would extend this list out to a department or two that we would mutually aid to, right? The department that serves my area would mutually aid to. But let's just stick with this. I, I, I could add in like the water company in case there's a water main break or, or something else, right? But let's just stick with FD for now. So what I'll do is I'll set up a big list for the county. That's how I normally set up my scanners, right? I'll have a Nassau County bank in my scanner because that's where I live, right? But all of the frequencies that are assigned to Nassau County are now assigned to that scan list for Nassau. But I'll take the town that I live in and I'll add it to the hot list or the favorites list. 
Again, it's assigned in two places, but only programmed in once. All right, let's look at it another way that you would find this to be a better example here. I want to program, and I, can, I use these examples too because these are my backyard, right? But I'm sure this, if you lived in LA or Chicago, if you were in New Zealand or Australia or anywhere else, right, it, it, things would hold basically the same way here. So I'm going from really small now to a really large example. I want to program in NYPD and FDNY into my scanner. Now, for those of you who don't know, FDNY has dispatch frequencies per borough and also citywide. Well, NYPD has dispatch frequencies per precinct. Some are borough channels, and also they have some citywide use channels. So you may have scan lists set up for just all of FDNY. You'll have scan lists set up for all of NYPD. Well, then I can also take and set up a scan list for, just say, all the citywide frequencies for both FDNY and NYPD. And then, why not? Let's just do it this way. Let's put up a, a scan list for just FDNY citywide frequencies and NYPD citywide frequencies. How many different ways did I just program in NYPD and FDNY here? I only had to program in each frequency one time. This is why I'm saying it is so super efficient memory management-wise. So again, with a unit and scanner, you would have to program these in every single time you wanted to put them into a scan list. On the Whistler object-oriented scanning, put it in once. It's a great way of programming, a great way of managing what's in there. When you program with software, such as Butel software, again, for like, uh, I use ARC 500 a lot because it supports my Pro 106 and the Pro 197. It's, it is, I also think I have a GRE 500 as well somewhere in the desk, but it's, it's so easy to see and to program it up. You don't have all these different windows and, 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 and these, these, the hierarchy of trees that you have in, in Uniden. It's just one long list. It's great. So listen, on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about trunking and how that's kind of putting a little bit of a twist on this. We'll be right back. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, Anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com slash support before you make your purchases and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Reader user should at least 
put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out-of-the-box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, Phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, so let's talk about trunking in the object-oriented scanning world. Now, we did this a little bit backwards here. In session 132, we talked about Whistler trunking optimization tips. And Again, you can go back and listen to that at scannerschool.com slash session 132. But trunking does require two separate lists than conventional does. First, you need to program in each trunk system and define the frequencies for each site. Now, if you remember from session 132, you really only put in one site or multiple sites per the system. There's no different ways to differentiate them. You just put the long list of frequencies in there. If you want to have a just a site and you want to have more control over it, then you've got to program in that system again another time and just put those sites control channels in okay in the expert settings of the trunk systems though we have options for multi-sites the three options are off roam and stationary now in off mode the scanner will find the first usable control channel in the control channel list and just use that to track the system roam is if you were moving around right you're roaming the scanner will attempt to lock on to the best site it can find the scanner will always attempt to lock on to a control channel 
whether the coding quality is greater than the threshold high, again, you define, and we'll search for a new control channel when the coding quality of the control channel drops below the threshold low. Again, you can define that as well. If no control channels are available that meet the thresh high criteria, the scanner will seek the best control channel to use and continue checking periodically for a new control channel that meets the threshold high criteria. Now, in stationary is intended to allow you to scan through all decent quality control channels while stationary so that you can hear all the available traffic on all of the available receivable decent quality control channels depending on the check all control channel settings. This information, and let me just let you know that the off-roam and uh, stationary definitions, I read them right off of Mark's scanners. Again, new.markscanners.com. Once we have the sites programmed up, we now need to assign talk groups to each one. So again, unlike conventional, we can only define a talk group to a single trunk system. We can't have the same talk group on multiple systems. So this is a bit inconvenient. Again, like we said, if you want to set up the same system, what to be off or roam or stationary, in that case now, you've now put in that talk group ID three times, one for each way you set up that system. Again, of course, you can always go into the expert settings for that system and make the changes. It's just not as easy as toggling it off and on with the scan list. But like the conventional side of the house, we can assign talk groups to multiple scan lists. And we can even assign them to the same, talk, uh, same scan list as our conventional stuff. When talk groups are assigned to a scan list, that means as an object here, the scanner knows it needs to monitor the associated trunk system with that talk group. So this, again, takes us back to the object-oriented programming definition. The scan list toggles the object, which is the talk group, off or on. When this talk group is toggled, the scanner knows then to monitor the trunk system that's associated with that talk group. The scanner also knows what frequencies to scan for that trunk system based on what the talk group ID is that has been unlocked or toggled by your scan list. You can see how these tiny little objects draw little lines to each other. And each one of these lines only needs to be defined in the scanner one time, except for the definition, of course, of the scan list. Again, these scan lists can do both conventional and trunk in the same list. You could put multiple trunk systems in the same list. You can mix and match, again, analog, digital, NXDN, or, or, or DMR, depending on right the radio that you're using. It's all just piled into an envelope. It's the scan list. It all works together. Now, here's a bit of a, a twist for you, though. How do we navigate to an object or a frequency or a talk group, right, quickly if we wanted to go there from the keypad? Well, the scanner automatically assigns an object ID to the frequency or talk group that you are building in the radio, right? You might be able to play around with it and redefine the, the object IDs, but for the most part, again, the radio is going to handle that for you. Because remember, if you put a Motorola system in, you're taking up 10, 10 bytes, right? Or 10, 10 uh, it's not objects, but 10, 10 pieces of the puzzle here. So right away, your next conventional channel would, at the bare minimum would be like, you know, number 11, right? Wouldn't be number one. But to quickly navigate to an object in your list, you can scroll up and down while you're in a scan list. Scrolling left or right using the, the keypad on the front of the scanner 
will take you through each scan bank. And just as in older scanners, when you want to enter and go directly to an object or a frequency, remember when the old scanners you press like the hold button and then you punch in like 25 and manual and it would take you right over to memory location 25, the good old days of programming scanners when it was easy. You can do that here. It's a little bit more involved, but you can do it. Just press manual. Then you press the object number you try to go to and then enter. But then how do you know the object number? Well, it shows up as you're moving up or down, right? But you can also use this little hidden feature here. You can actually go and use the find tool, which is inside the scanner. You click on find, and then you use the keypad to start typing in the alpha tag. And it will find that alpha tagged frequency or talk group in your scanner. You can take you right there and you'll see the object in the corner. So what's also really cool about object-oriented scanning is the ability to have v-scanners or virtual scanners. We're not going to talk about that in today's podcast because I feel that v-scanners really do deserve their own podcast. And it would be, I don't know, bad practice to take something like virtual scanners and not make it its own because that's what virtual scanners are. They're separate virtual scanners of programming. So let's do what virtual scanning is and split things up so they're neat and orderly and tidy. So in conclusion, this is how object-oriented scanning works. Each conventional frequency and talk group is programmed into the scanner as one huge list. One list for conventional, one list for talk groups, and one table for trunk systems. You define each conventional frequency or talk group, aka an object, into a scan list. You can assign these objects to multiple scan lists so you don't need to program them in multiple times. It's a great, efficient way of programming your scanner. However, though, each talk group can only be assigned to a single trunk system. So if you want to assign a talk group to another trunk system, you have to build a second trunk system and also a second copy of that talk group. Now, object-oriented scanning is a very flexible way of programming a scanner because you set up lists as small or as large as you need without wasting memory channels. Again, the old-school way of programming a scanner is when you had set banks and set number of memory channels per bank. If you only put 5 or 10 in there, you weren't wasting the rest of the memory bank. Same with object-oriented scanning or just opposite with object-oriented scanning, right? With the old scanners, if you didn't put in the rest of those memory channels, you wasted them if you didn't use them for something else. Object-oriented scanning, we only take those five we need and we can sign them to the scan list. If we don't use them, it's not wasted. Use them someplace else or not at all. So object-oriented scanning is also memory-dependent of how many objects you put in there. So in closing, how did I do? You can leave me feedback on this podcast session or download the session notes by going to scannerschool.com slash session 136. Remember to join us for our weekly Zellinets every Tuesday evening or Wednesday, depending where you live. You can find more info at scannerschool.com slash Zello. Again, that's hello with a Z. Scanner School's Copyright 2020, Montel Island, Inc. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next Tuesday, 73 everyone.